to Carol Francis Talk Radio Show. Let's make life happen together with authors, scientists, researchers, both inside the box and outside the box of understanding so that you can live a life full of your success, curiosity, enjoyment, happiness, and richness of life in every respect. Let's go beyond our limits and let's help others go beyond their limits as well. Welcome. I've invited Steve Derrick today, an artist, a portrait artist, who has made the portraits of other individuals inspire each and every one of us to reach into our resources so that we can extend compassion and kindness and support to those individuals who sacrifice themselves for the well-being of others. So now I've asked you, Derek, to come and inspire us, to give us a sense of our power to be able to support others. Steve, is that a high calling? It, it is. Hopefully I can live up to that. That's, uh, I don't know how inspiring I am. Steve, often when we hear an individual being interviewed, we tend to think that they're living a life bigger than we can, something bigger than we can even conceive of ourselves being able to contribute. And yet I really get the impression that you stepped into the ordinariness of your life and helped others. Well, I am real. I've I've seen myself a few times and I've noticed that I am there and (laughs) I try to be as accurate and authentic (laughs) as possible. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm just a just a person and I, you know, I do what I feel I need to do. And uh, I love service. So it just seems like a natural progression for me. I'm just kind of amazed how big this has become. Steve, Derek, for those that don't know what it is that you've done, what, what that it is has become large, describe that for us. Uh, I guess it would be the, I'm calling it a, my COVID series. It's a series of paintings I'm doing for people that are um, on the front lines. They're portraits that uh, you know I'm giving as a thank you. So they're original pictures. This definitely has grown big and for very good reasons. And so far, Steve, who has captured your story? Um, well, there's been a lot of local ones, uh, like here in a capital region in New York, in TV and newspapers and uh, CBS News nationally, and then uh, Washington Post nationally and CNN nationally. I've uh, been some international ones that uh, are through the Internet. And I had an interview with a German uh, reporter last week, so we'll see if that uh, becoming a thing. But quite a few publications, and then medical journals and things that are also mm-hmm. picking it up. Steve, I'm an amateur portrait painter, and I know that when I take the time to study a person's face in a portrait painting process, I become, feel like I'm very intimately involved in every wrinkle and line and coloration and expression and that, that I begin to know an individual far differently than if I had just had a conversation or just saw them in person. What is it like for you that hundreds and hundreds of healthcare workers that have seen horrors and helped many are present inside of you while you paint them? What is that like for you to get so intimately connected to them? through the process of studying and expressing them in your beautiful portraits and artwork? Well, it's it's actually been really interesting because I, I don't know any of these people. I've only met um, two of them after I've painted them at uh, a gallery show I did that was a pop-up show. And it was thanks to CBS News because they did an interview and, and wanted to interview one of the people that uh, – 
was painted. So that's the first person I had met that I've actually painted. And the other was just a friend, uh, a friend's sister. Um, But other than that, you know, when I saw them in real, real life, I was like, oh, wow. You know, all I've really seen is, you know, just your eyes or (laughs) your, you know, something distinguishing about you. But then you see actually the person that was uh, interesting. But I do get, you, you get to know these people differently than, you know, if you were sitting down and talking with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you're you're getting to know their face really well. You know, you're painting mm-hmm. them. And I usually start kind of with the skin and then get those skin tones down because that's, I think, the toughest part. And if mm-hmm. I can get through that, then the rest kind of is easy. I, but mm-hmm. when I put the eyes in, it just kind of pops. And it's like, oh, hello, how are you? You know, you, you yeah. kind of mm-hmm. see the person after you put their eyes in. And, mm-hmm. and then you start putting in the darks. And, and yeah, you... you and knowing some of the background of the stuff of the people that you're painting, uh, yeah, you, you feel like you get to know them. I don't know if it's the same as if you were actually sitting down and getting to know them, but your heart kind of gets into it and you feel, um, you feel a connection. Stephen, you're painting. I'm seeing bruised and scarred faces. I'm seeing pleading eyes that are tired and exhausted. I'm seeing torn up skin and, People kissing each other through masks and just it's 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 not a pretty image of these individuals. But you have described these images as what? Yeah, this is when they're at their best. Hmm. This is Why? this is after after you've seen, you know, you know, if you've you've I don't know, I don't watch hockey or not hockey, but I don't watch uh, <laughs> boxing, but boxing you you at the beginning of the fight, they're, you know, they're, they're all, you know, they're all fine. But then after the end, when they're victors, when they've won, they beat, you know, it's, uh, it shows a look how strong and how, how, how victorious I've been. You get a little bit of feeling of this is after they've made it through that day. You know, I made it through one more day. I've, I've successfully saved or uh, helped someone as they passed and I've mm-hmm. done a, phenomenal job i've done a good job it's been tough but i made it mm-hmm. so that's that's why it's beautiful i think i think i i'm not really interested in and occasionally i do get some but these pictures of uh people that are more selfies and cutie whatever you know, the regular instagram pictures i don't get mm-hmm. a lot of those because i get it from these nurses that are living it and want to kind of have this documented for them. Yeah. So it's, it's their real picture. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's not their most pretty face. You know, I'm sure they, you know, when you see the other pictures of them, they're, Oh, wow. You, you're a very attractive person. During <laughs> this picture, you know, maybe it's more, uh, more realistic of, look, this is, this is a time in my life where it's extremely challenging or has been extremely challenging, but, um, yeah, I mean it's it's interesting, definitely for sure, painting them in as accurately as I can and what they look like. Steve, the expressiveness of the eyes that you have captured in each of these portraits is is just stunning, and the story behind the eyes and the, the structure of that small section of their faces is just incredible. How you've been able to capture it, but I'm also incredibly struck by the masks. 
The mask plays such an incredible role in each of these paintings. I mean, you've become adept at painting masks, but the masks tell stories about the fear, the, the protection of other patients, the, the wonderment about bringing this home to their families, about their own safety and their own health, the, own, the difficulty of being able to get a hold of these protections initially. What's that like to be focused on the mask? <laughs> well, I've gotten to know uh, medical worker uniforms and their, their PPEs, and there's some unique ones out there. I think, um, you know, at, at the early time when there was not a lot of PPE out there, the uh, some of the makeshift things that were happening, you know, I heard of <laughs> one medical worker we're down in New York with all these traveling nurses and the supplies were kind of tight that uh, mm-hmm. one was using a, a shoe booty, booty for her hairnet <laughs> because they didn't mm-hmm. have any hair uh, things to put on the head. And there's uh, those plastic uh, overhead projectors, you know, uh, the, shield. The, pla- the shield, the shield. Yeah. they were making yeah. shields out of those because there mm-hmm. wasn't uh, shields left. You're seeing more and more now that, you know, there's more PPE out there, but it's, um, I think one of the things I heard from one nurse was that they really miss actually being able to see their patients. And you know, the patients mm-hmm. does, don't really know who's who because they all mm-hmm. kind of start to look the same when you've got the same PPE on, except mm-hmm. for the eyes. The eyes are all mm-hmm. you have. Mm-hmm. And you can see them smiling or not smiling by the eyes. I know it's very subtle, but I, I notice it. Please, all of you, take a second to go to facebook.com forward slash Steve dot Derek, D-E-R-I-C-K dot 733, and read the stories about each of these portraits. It will touch you deeply. Steve, what is it like for you to know that you are actually the historian, the accountant of these people's lives and what they're going through during this time? Well, I mean, I, I really enjoy service. It's part of what, you know, I, I transitioned from being an artist at work into a leader in leadership development, working on building a team because I really enjoy helping people. It's expanded out into my, you know, personal life. But I think I wanted to do something for these medical workers. And you, doing something just big and broad, you know, if it was, hey, I'm going to send some money to the hospital, it just kind of gets, it disappears and it doesn't really trickle down to the people doing the work necessarily mm-hmm. that they can see. I mean, sure, that probably buys them uh, medical equipment or whatever, but that individual nurse that's working the 12-hour shift doesn't see that as much as, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, an actual thing that was dedicated to them. You know, this is yeah. this is a thank you to you. Mm-hmm. has a lot it's more... Ch- uh, yeah, a lot more impact. Oh, you are so deeply moved. I appreciate that greatly. Are there people you know personally that they have saved or have helped pass? Uh, close to me, no. I, I don't, I haven't, uh, luckily, I haven't been, uh, had anybody close to me that has been uh, saved. I've had people that have been sick. Uh, my wife came down with uh, COVID and was sick for a couple of weeks early on in March or so. But I think 
Um, no, I haven't had anybody particularly, but the stories I hear of other people and that they're, how appreciative they are just still touches me. It's, it, so you don't have to be directly connected to feel a part of it. Mm-hmm. Steve, most of our listeners and most of the people that I know don't really feel that what they have to offer is going to be that impactful. And yet you've taken something that is very near and dear to you. You had no idea it was going to get this big. How are you managing as a human being how large this is becoming? Uh, that's a hard question. So the way it's changed for me is I started doing this as just one or two, and I thought maybe, you know, this COVID thing would be about two weeks as I was quarantined. That's my original thinking. Yeah. Uh, and I could have said, okay, I'm going to just do 20 pictures and, and then be done with it. But, you, you know, when you really have a passion for something, and this, this is something that's driving me, and it's uh, uh, the, the give is what I'm giving and what I'm getting is not equal. What I'm giving seems to be a little bit, just, you know, here's some, some, a little bit of my time, a little bit of my effort and uh, a little bit of thank you. But what I get back in return is my sanity. It gives me a purpose. It gives me um, uh, some positivity and all the stuff that's going on out there. And it keeps me focused on not watching the news and getting involved in all the negativity and seeing all the good of, that people are doing out there. So from a publicity side, um, I try to focus on not being about me because I don't really think it's about me. I think, sure, that, you know, I'm painting some pictures and uh, it, it's great to give back, but it's really about the people that I'm giving to that need to be um, recognized. So I think that's when you're talking about what can you do as a person that's only giving a little bit, that little bit isn't really about the publicity or getting your name out there. It's just about how you feel when you do it. You know, if you're able to give just a little and you get in return that, that feeling of self-worth and that you've done something great and that someone's been touched, that's, that makes it worth it. It doesn't matter how much publicity. I mean, if I wasn't on the news at all, I would still probably be doing this. Steve, you are clearly a man of heart, a man of gift. And I was just thinking about what the impact this is going to have on your own family, your own children or child. and What's it like for them? Uh, they're, they're, they're proud. They repost and, and put my stuff on Facebook and their Facebook. And, you know, I think articles that have been in the newspapers or on my daughter's fridge and, you know, at home. So, you know, they're very supportive. Um, just on the side note, my daughter had our first grandkid yesterday. <laughs> I'm a proud dad and a proud grandfather, oh, which is pretty exciting. Oh, congratulations. She comes out of the hospital to, to well, tonight or no, tomorrow morning. Cause she's had some jaundice got to work through, but anyway, it's oh, in good shape. Did you get to meet your grandchild or you have to wait because of COVID? She's going to stay with mm-hmm. us for two weeks to oh, recover because uh, we have uh, better accommodations than, or anyway, not better accommodations. Yeah. It's just it's yeah. going to be helpful with mom here, and oh, good. So we're you pretty excited you. about that. Steve, I can only imagine having your grandchild present at your home, having an incredibly positive impact and feel for all of you there. So I wish you, and we all wish you, the very best in these next weeks, just enjoying each other and getting through the the preliminaries of a baby's life. 
See, we we in our community have also wanted to initiate having an art mural down at the harbor dedicated to all the healthcare workers. But there's been a reluctance of making these images, these portraits, actually permanent under the idea that, oh, maybe this is just going to be a temporary moment in history that we can all forget, as opposed to commemorating it potentially for the 10 years it would be up on the wall. What do you think? Well, I mean, a permanent record would be, and that's a positive permanent record. Look, I think one of the things that gets a little frustrating for me is they don't, the numbers seem made up or not realistic or whatever, but, um, you know, how many people have died from this? You know, if this was Mm. a war and you had this many people die, you'd have monuments going up all over the place. Remember all our, you know, strong people that died from this and and uh, all the workers that were helping during this event. You know, if it was a a 9-11 or some kind of a war, there wouldn't be a question. People just don't understand um, how many people have died and how big of an event this is. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's an inconvenience to have to wear a mask and go to the store. And, oh, I can't go to the movies yet, or well, depending on which places you are, I guess. But those mm-hmm. things, they're just focusing on how inconvenient their life is. But in reality, you know, talking about for some of the workers that were in New York City, when the the refrigerated semis come to take away mm. bodies that had passed away. Mm. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. And um, so, yes, it should be commemorized and it should be looked. Uh, these people, maybe it was not the people in your direct area that had to deal with, you know, thousands of people dying every day, but maybe one or two. And they're, you know, they're just as important. Steve, have you had any inclination to do the portraits of those individuals who have been impacted by COVID, who have died or have survived it? Um, I've had a, I've had the opportunity to, to do that, but that would be a whole nother series. I've had suggestions of you know police officers that are in uh, working or firefighters or, or uh, other personnel or or people that have had COVID and su- survived or didn't survive. But I think that would be a whole nother, whole nother series, and I'm focusing mainly on the people that are helping. Steve, would you even be interested or even consider organizing other portrait artists to deal with these many facets of individuals that have been helping out with the COVID uh, or survived it or have passed on? How would you feel about being an organizer of all the artists since you have your foot in that door? Sure, I'd help. I think there's uh, actually three Mike. or four that I uh there are three or four that I connect with on a regular basis. And when they post something, I like that. And I post something like it. So there's a kind of a community of people that are doing this. I'm not the only person doing this. There's uh, 10 that I I connected with, but there's probably hundreds more out there that are doing this. So um, yes, I'd be happy to help with that. Steve, on your Facebook, there are just amazing stories that are attached to the images, the portraits that you have painted have you interviewed these people in person, or how did you get their stories? Um, I don't interview the people. I get them from the people that send them to me, or the person that's, that's sending. So it's like a mom or a daughter might send in their their uh, relative or their you know sister or whatever. So I might mm-hmm. get the stories from them, but I get the stories from the usually from the nurses themselves or the doctors. Um, occasionally. 
I have a friend that's a, a writer that work that lives in New York on the New York area that is writing some of the stories with these pictures. He's really uh, passionate about giving voice to the portraits. Yes. And I think I have 10 of them posted on my Facebook and he's putting another one, I think today or tomorrow. These are going to be probably made, not probably, they will be made into a calendar for next year that we're working on. There's another thanks to New York for the people that came to help. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's doing, he's actually interviewing them and I'm finding a little bit more than I knew already, which is pretty, pretty interesting. Steve, you've captured these faces in a moment in time. And if we can just feel these individuals deeper and know them fuller, it might touch us to really grasp what it is this individual that we're looking at tells us. What is their story? Can you help us feel it? Well, I think there's some that I, you know, when as I'm painting them, I don't think, well, there's not a... Well, I don't get the story sometimes when I'm painting them. I get it afterwards, like, wow, this has touched my life. It's been one of the best things ever. And then they're, they put it on their Facebook, and then it explodes with all these other stories. I'm like, wow, this this really had an impact. Some of the mm-hmm. stories, to answer your question, I got sidetracked there. Um, some of the ones that really touched me are a lot of the nurses that uh, have been travel nurses. You know, they kind of came to New York during the peak and there was, you know, so many people dying and, and they were there. Uh, some of them were called to duty as military nurses and mm-hmm. came to work in New York City, to New York City during that peak. And then they went back home and, you know, after to Texas and then later it becomes an issue in Texas and then they're back on the front lines, but in their home states. Wow. And these, these, uh, so that would have been Leah Whitey or White was one of those and there's uh i think Mm -hmm. captain stahl she's another i'd have to look at my facebook or instagram to see which one but there's a there's a bunch of those i mean that's probably 20 or 30 that are um traveling nurses those 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 stories are are the are touched me for sure yeah there's the one that's jacqueline zeal She's actually one that's going to have the interview that was done by Raphael uh, just recently, a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And she's a she's not a nurse, and this is one of the few that isn't a nurse, but she was called in, or not called in, she came from Seattle to New York City mm-hmm. to work. She's a mortician. Yeah. And she flew into New York City from Seattle to help during the peak, and that's when they were seeing like a thousand people dying per day. And yeah. she was in du- double PPE and still got sick, mm. and uh, was working you know days on on end uh, to work helping uh, prepare people as you know because there just weren't enough. Mm-hmm. They were doing it in the parking lot, which is yeah. Uh, you know, dealing with that already is going to be tough, but dealing with so many and uh, mm-hmm. in such quantity and trying to, I don't know, I just that, I think that's a, a really strong person. Steve, do you view humankind differently now that you have touched the face of so many wonderful human beings, the best among us, so to speak? Um, I'm I'm thankful for it. That's for sure. I you know I'm I'm seeing uh, a really amazing part of humanity. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a, there's one picture that I did was uh, of 
Patricia and Steve Ashton, who are both frontline mm-hmm. workers. One's the husband, one's the wife, and they're mm-hmm. they're kissing with their masks on on the mm-hmm. you know the um some, mm-hmm. I don't know what was their anniversary oh his birthday at midnight. Wow. You know these are these are touching things that they're in the in the thick of it, but also they're still human. And you look at happy birthday and at midnight we're gonna take a picture of us. Uh, there's there's just a lot of stories that really just give you hope and uh, um, make you see that there are some really great people out there. Steve, with your forbearance, will you please tell us some more of the stories that you know? Who comes to your mind next? Uh, she was a nurse and was helping with somebody's uh, relative that passed away, but she was so kind and, and considerate and loving to this person that uh, it wasn't her that turned in these portrait, but it was, I think it was it Lindsay Pollock, uh, Ashley Salzgeber is a traveling nurse from Ohio who arrived in hometown of Beaumont, Texas to help care for coronavirus patients. So she's another traveling nurse who just went to Beaumont, Texas. Uh, two weeks before my dad arrived in the hospital, uh, I prayed for an angel because I knew that no one could could be with them. I'm the advocate for my parents, but I had never advocated without being present. I knew I needed help. And basically she came in. It was this amazing nurse during this time. And uh, um, it's kind of a longer story, but she is, she's in there as one of those. She said that she knew that if her dad was, if it was her dad, she would want someone to commit to, to care for him and be with him so he didn't feel alone. Yeah. She promised to keep us informed, arrange Zoomed FaceTime calls with each each day between scheduled calls. She would call us and give updates and there was if there's any change in my dad's condition. It came to my dad, not uh, was not going to survive. Ashley advocated for us with the doctor, asking him to let dad stay in the hospital to transition instead of being sent to hospice care. You know, so there goes on and on about uh, uh, somehow amazing this person was. An incredible nurse. So here's here's another story from Kristen McGinnis. When we first entered the room, it was dark and gloomy, and we almost couldn't breathe ourselves. And in the days to come, everything became about breathing. Most of us had never seen such severe respiratory illnesses. There was not enough beds, not enough supplies, not enough anything, but mostly not enough hands on deck. We were surrounded by so many unknowns. We didn't know how to prepare, how to protect ourselves, what was the best way to care for these sick patients. But that's just what we did. And that's just one of, you just want to reach out and hug that person, right? You want to say oh. thank you. <laughs> oh, no question. These stories make me want to just cry as well as just realize that you've captured a moment in their life, but they've been doing hours and days and months supporting patients who live or die and families that are having to cope with incredible unknowns and horrible experiences. Yeah. She was a traveling nurse. Mm. She traveled from, uh, she went, she was born and raised in Jersey, but came to New York after from Las Vegas. Here's another one, Christina and Amorta, if I'm saying her name right. And I look at her eyes and they're full of compassion and, kind of a sad, forlorn resignation, tiredness, sense of effort to try to help, wishing and pleading. Looks like she's praying. I, I mean, that's the way I read the eyes that you have painted, but 
I don't know what's actually going on for her. Do you know her story? Um, she was actually referred from a friend, so I only know the story that I posted. I, so I haven't actually met her or talked to her, connected with her <laughs> herself. So there's a good uh, story here with, um, oh, what's her name? Rebecca, uh, I don't know if I'm going to butcher her name, Masiorowski. She is, uh, she's an RN from Denver, traveled from Denver to New York City. She ended up getting COVID while there and ended up getting has lung damage. So even after all this, she's, you know, still has side effects from, from being sick out there that, but she's got a <laughs> pretty uh, yeah, interesting story. Some of the really mm-hmm. early ones, the ones that are from Italy, I lived in Italy for a couple of years. And mm-hmm. um, so I was able to speak Italian back and forth with them, but mm-hmm. there's some um, amazing stories from them so one of my favorite ones to paint was I, I never actually connected with this person because she didn't respond back. She goes by Jenny, the cranky nurse. <laughs> she's, she looks so sad and miserable with the you know, bandaid on her, on her nose. And, but it's, she's got red hair and a green smock. Steve, we are now entering into the second and third wave in some locations. And with a super spreader that's introduced the first wave to some areas where the hospitals are now just as swamped as they were in New York. How do you feel we can best support this second generation of pioneers, so to speak, that are intervening and in really deadly situations, but yet with additional experience from the first pioneers that had no idea what they were facing, much less what equipment they needed? Uh, well, the best support them is, I mean, it just seems like a silly thing is just try to be safe. You know, don't, don't, uh, you need to take it seriously that, you know, you you need to wear a mask and, and try to be cautious of uh, trying not to spread this because, you know, that for them, they don't see an end in sight to this. It just continues because people, you know, they're meeting together and they're not being safe and it, then people get sick and it spreads and then, you know, yeah. it's hard to really contain it. And I think if I was one of these people, it would be hard for me just not to say, oh my gosh, and just be, be safe, please. I don't, I don't want to have to be overwhelmed with all these patients that are dealing with this, even if I know how to treat it better. You know, mm-hmm. you can have all the information in the world, but if, it, you know, it just keeps coming, it's, uh, it, I think it could be overwhelming. And I, I think to support them is if you know someone that's a doctor or a nurse that's dealing with this, um, reach out, you know, and uh, let them know you care about them. Steve, one reason I wanted you to come on this program is the belief that if every one of us met at least one of these medical frontline workers and heard their stories, that we wouldn't balk wearing a mask. We wouldn't balk having social distance. We would embrace it, even though it was inconvenient, uncomfortable. We also wouldn't be thinking that this is just a scam or something being pulled over for some sort of ridiculous reason. We'd know it was real, and we would embrace our collective capacity to make sure we kept ourselves safe to help everyone. If you if you were if you knew these people and knew their stories and knew what they were dealing with, it becomes real. It's not like oh, I saw you know on a newscast that said a thousand people died in this state. 
and I don't know any of those people. So, you know, why do I have to wear a stupid mask to go to the grocery store? Because, you know, no one's going to be by me. I'm not going to be by anybody and I'm not going to spread anything. But mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't feel real until you actually it tells you know somebody that it's touched or, mm-hmm. you know, if it becomes somebody that you know personally. Um, so, yeah, that's where the oh, yeah, comes in. It's just if they only knew. Do you think that your wife having the COVID so early in the pandemic has deeply impacted your whole perspective on what this all means? Uh, it, yes. It, I mean, I, I've kind of caught on really quickly that this is pretty scary and uh, that it should be taken seriously. Um, and my wife was pretty miserable. And uh, luckily, she didn't have all the, uh, you know, she wasn't have to, she didn't have to go to the hospital. I think at the time they wouldn't even let him come into the hospital unless you were where you couldn't actually breathe. I right. said, so don't come, don't come to the hospital. That was very early on, but mm-hmm. she still um, has some side effects that pop up once in a while. So it's, mm-hmm. it's serious I, stuff. Mm-hmm. It is scary stuff, Steve. And I think that I want to, at this point, really tell people what my experience has been. I have known many people who have died from COVID during the last eight months. I've worked with a lot of first-line medical individuals who are scared to go into work, but nonetheless do it. And they're also not only scared for themselves, but they're also really scared for their families and all the rippling impact of everybody that's part of their life outside of the medical facility. I myself was infected in April And I was infected by an individual, the only individual that did not wear a mask, the only individual came up to me when the only time that I had been out, because I had a flat tire, and said, this is ridiculous. It's not real. It's all fake. We have more important things to do. And he was saying all of this as he moved within three feet of who I was. And within three to four days, I was infected. And I'm pretty clear that I was not the only person that he got close to that day. I'm very clear that he did not know that he was carrying the COVID. And I'm even more clear that he had no respect for the masks that were to protect me and the people that he was going to be exposing. I still, to this day, have to deal with the residual impacts of having had COVID in April. And I know that I'm not alone. Well, Steve, that's the end of my plea to people as we approach the end of our show here. What's your plea? Uh, be kind and be safe. That would be that, you know, if I try to make it as short as possible is, you know, kindness is just as infectious, infectious <laughs> uh, and can be just as infectious as uh, a real disease. If you're oh, uh, kind to people, it will it will spread. And people love kindness it's a good it's a, such a positive mm-hmm. thing that people feel good so that mm-hmm. i think that would be a good uh what i would implore is just be kind and safe so dear listeners oh, great word steve let's be kind let's be safe and let's go the extra mile to make sure other individuals will be safe around us we never know when we're saving someone else from a life or death situation Have the very best of days, and thanks, Steve Derrick, for inspiring us all. Mm